Welcome back to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. You're listening to episode number nine, how to follow up after a job interview and deal with the waiting game of a job search, all part of our Get a Dream Job series. Welcome to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. No capes, no superpowers, just hustle. Not Wonder Woman removes the myth of the ladies who, quote, have it all and gives practical insight to help you, the working woman, conquer the world like the boss babes we know you are. Welcome back to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. It's me, Mel, and I'm joined here with Kieran. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? All is well here in Houston, Texas, although it is 100 degrees in the shade. 100 degrees in the shade. Well, we've had a bit of sun and now it's raining again. I think I think people are quite happy with that, that nobody's expecting consistency. We just had some sunshine, so we're good. Okay. <laughs> that will have to nice. do. Nice. Well, we are in the middle of our dream job series and we last week talked about how to interview. This week we are talking about the post interview, how to get the most out of it, and then how to deal with the waiting game that is a job search. So Kieran, what is your top tip after an interview? I think it's the follow up, isn't it? It's um, so however you choose to con- contact the company that you interviewed with and my contact method of choice is email just to say thank you. I know you, you usually end an interview by saying thank you for your time, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, but I think it's a really good opportunity to sort of set yourself apart because not everybody does it. Sending an email to say thanks and remind them of who you are, why you want to work there, that kind of thing. What do you think? So during an interview, I mentioned that I always bring a notepad in with me, and that really is where I'm taking notes so that I can reference those after the interview to use those in my follow-up. So that's a helpful key to me, and I have a pretty bad memory, so I definitely need that notepad when I have a follow-up, whether that's an email, a phone call, or a handwritten letter. (laughs) I don't think think it's an age thing. My memory is terrible. And actually, I know lots of people with terrible memories, and they're young. Like ten years younger than I am, so it's just don't know. We've got lots of information to process. We certainly do have a lot to remember, especially after an interview. So I really like to use that notepad while I'm in the interview or immediately after. I like to use it just to jot down a few notes before I start the next interview. I do that. I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take notes afterwards, and I use notes in my phone. I, I try to keep the work notes like quite like. I don't know, separate. So I like to keep notes because they're searchable on my phone and my MacBook. The other thing I always try to do is make sure that I grab business cards while I'm in an interview. I just don't want to get the wrong email address or address or phone number if I am going to do a follow-up. And so that is my first thing to remember also when I'm leaving an interview. But then if I didn't get a card for some reason, just asking the secretary and getting some help um, from her or the receptionist about the right contact information for people. Mm -hmm. And if you forget to do that, LinkedIn is kind of my backup choice. But yeah. I think it's super important to know how to spell names, things like that, if you're, yep. especially if you're writing an email um, or writing a handwritten note to them. So that's that's kind of my, my other top things I think about. What about a call? What do you think about that? See, 
It depends. I mean, if you had a panel, which I think is quite common nowadays, I'm sure you interviewed with a panel, maybe a panel of people. How? What would you do? Would you call each person? How does? How, what would you? What What do you do? I, you know, I typically reserve a call, or I would suggest to people to reserve a call if part of the job is communication, mm-hmm. and you know that just show, or it's maybe something like sales where you need to show, show how aggressive, aggressive you are. You are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Maybe not aggressive. Not aggressive, but you know, like you're, you're, yeah, you you're outgoing, you're willing to put yourself out there, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So I do think a call can help with that. The other thing, you know, whether it's a call or in your notes mm-hmm. that you're a thank you note or otherwise, you know, I think you can expound upon your skill set, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe easier in a phone call, or if there was something that was a little awkward about the, about the interview. The interview but you can, clear you can it help up. clear mm-hmm. that up better on a phone call to me than in something than an handwritten. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I do think a call could be useful, especially mm-hmm. if you're, even if it was awkward, if you're interested in the job stuff. Yeah. So would you, you said a handwritten note, would you actually write like a thank you note by hand? I would. I would. would. I, I would do a handwritten note. Mm. And most of the time I do that. I, I do that basically almost for anything, but I think maybe that's something old South. I don't know. My mother always made me write thank you notes for everything that happened in my yeah. life. Uh, no, every present I ever got. So, I think, it, oh, I, I think, just, yeah, no, I think thank you notes here are really common, like for gifts, but I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking like, hmm, when would it be appropriate to receive or send a thank you. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's if it's the done thing here I don't know maybe the somebody thing, can tell uh, me the thing I think about on that is is that emails and phone calls now and less phone calls but emails in particular can get lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. and so if you really want to stand out I think that's another opportunity to put yourself out in front of them now snail mail is slower but but it um, does I've get even, you noticed doesn't it it does because you don't, don't typically get nailed. Get so yeah, I, I do think it, it, it's another way to like highlight your name on it, your contact information again, and you can make it look professional. I have my own cards with my name on them and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing so that people remember me and, and think about it. So to me, it can give you a leg up and I don't think it's inappropriate to do a call and to write a note. And the things when I'm writing something, a handwritten note, I will try to think of something, as we mentioned, that you might have talked about in your interview. But typically, I'll try to weave in something about the business or finding an article that may be related to it in a newspaper, you know, something that will show that I was attentive and that I care about the business and, and, and something that's a follow up in a way that isn't the same as just, just another email that you get. So Mm -hmm. I think you can really make yourself stand out if you, if you do something like that. I think you can definitely make yourself stand out. I think that people should be mindful, especially, and I'm, I'm talking from maybe this is a cultural thing and may, maybe I have a lack of experience and would like to be schooled on this is that are people in the UK sending handwritten thank you notes after interviews? I need, I need to know because I don't want to suggest to people that you go and do that. And actually you just, you may be going to have yourself stand out for the wrong reason. I don't know. 
I, I can't, I do not remember anybody saying that they received a handwritten thank you note for an interview and, but definitely an email and definitely a phone call. Yep. Yeah. I, th- I think those are, those are a must have. And, mm-hmm. and I think the timing is also really important. Mm-hmm. It should be, I think if you're doing those things within 24 hours. It has to be, it has to be really, yeah. doesn't it? Otherwise, especially if you're using snail mail, how, how long does it take for a letter to get to like, you know, same state where you are? Like, well, you know. Yeah, it typically takes two to three days. But what I would often do if I'm in the city interviewing in that same city is I will typically drop it off the next day or have a courier Fine. drop it off so that okay. it, it is in the mail and there. So that's a little easier mm-hmm. if you're in the city you're interviewing to have it delivered in a in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. What about you've had the interview you're in the waiting period afterwards. We've said, you know, how you need to follow up and what you need to mm-hmm. think about. You know, how do you reflect on your on your interviews afterwards? And and to me, it's it's a learning opportunity every time. Yeah. But what are some tips that you have for post interview? You know, reflecting on yourself mm-hmm. and making that the most useful learning experience you can have for your future interviews. I I probably and I mentioned this in the last um, episode where I said that. Um, there are a number of recruiters um, that I've personally used and they're, they're, they're a service that people would use qu- quite regularly, I think, here. So typically after an interview, you're going to get a call from your recruiter who's going to say, how did it go? Whether they've spoken to their client, i.e. the company you just interviewed with or not, they're going to call you and say, how did it go? What did they ask you? And as much as they're asking just out of interest to see, you know, what your interviews were like, what your responses were like, and so that they can be a, a good judge and sort of, you know, think actually, did it go well? Or are you out of the running? <laughs> um, they're also asking the questions so that they can maybe go back to the next person and say, these are the questions that they asked as well. But I am, I am usually some, sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I should have said that. I should have said that. I should have said that. And sometimes it can be a bit, you know, you can sort of get down on yourself sometimes when you think, oh, I could have answered that so much better. But actually you gave the best answer that you could in that instance. So I'm, you know, I'm just sort of trying to give myself a pat on the back because what I didn't get right in this interview, I'm going to take into the next one. So I'm usually just reflecting. I'm also making my mind up about the company because I'm interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me. I'm going to be spending a lot of time here if I get the job. So maybe either discussing that with my husband or, you know, with friends or like current colleagues about what the company's like and what I thought. So, yeah, just a general review, I'd say, of how the whole thing went. Is that something you do? For sure. And you raised just a great point. You know, if there's things where you felt like you didn't maybe at answer the question right or could expound upon that more or thought later about an experience that really that can stand out could be an example of how you could show a skill they're looking for you know I think that follow-up letter or call is a great place to add that in just if you just so all is is not lost and I do think that's why reflecting on it is so important and so that you can clear up any mistakes that are there or expound upon skill sets that you really don't think you had highlighted very well in the interview. I do. Th- I love the idea of the recruiter. The other thing I like to ask a recruiter is how the company viewed me. So yeah. I do try to find from them what 
feedback they had mm-hmm. and what skills could did I did I not highlight well to them yeah. or w- what things really really stood out to them as a positive mm-hmm. because those are the things I want to take with me whether I get that job or not to the next Definitely. interview yeah or things to change and the other thing is is if I got asked a really hard question or a question that really stumped me mm-hmm. I try to be prepared for the next what the next like time the how would you explain a contract to an alien that that right. kind of question. <laughs> that kind of question. So if there was a standout question, I really do try to think about like next time because you know sometimes people read the same blogs or think about the same things about how to ask interview questions, and so very well yeah. might come out the top the top three. One. Is that what they say? Like you're, you're yeah. usually going for the one of the top three links. So yeah, that's it's highly right. likely that that's, people have read the same stuff. That's typically kind of what I do to, to debrief and. I, you know, this is the next thing that I view as happening after an interview is like this waiting game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so terrible. It is, isn't it? How do you, how do you deal with that? Because that is. I usually get busy looking, painful. looking for another job that I might be interviewing for. <laughs> just That's like, good, yeah. <laughs> let me see what else is out there just in case. Or I don't know. I think social media is such a, a bigger thing than when I was even last looking but I would certainly use that time to see what that company is putting out on social media in the last however long because you probably researched them when you were when you first saw the the ad but maybe go on Twitter see what they're see what they're responding see what they're saying just just to see again I'm 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 weighing up do I want to work for this company what are they putting out there? What are people saying about them? Because if if I'm going to get a yes or a callback for a second interview, I want to be certain that this is a place I want to work. And also it can it can give you something else to say in the second interview. You know, I, I, I tend to try and keep myself busy, whether that's that looking is- at other jobs or looking at their social media or pretending I don't care. <laughs> when really, I do really care. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, are you... Are you stalking them the same? We talked about stalking mm-hmm. our interviewers mm-hmm. before the interview. Yes. Post interview. Post interview. What do you think about that? Are we looking at them on LinkedIn? Are we trying to be incognito about that? Like, I'm still going to be incognito on LinkedIn. No, I'm yeah. going to be incognito. <laughs> Just it it freaks me out sometimes. LinkedIn. It's the only social media network that that identifies people that have looked at your profile if you've got an open profile so you I think you do need to be careful you sh- you don't just go around clicking on anybody <laughs> I, just, I just unless yeah. unless I don't know that's that's your thing or you're in sales or you're in PR I think it's useful to go to the company page on LinkedIn and see what they're putting out because it, that's not a profile that they can see who's looked they'll say you know you come up in searches but I think going to the company having a look at what news they've put put out what um yeah what people are saying about them is that what happens on a LinkedIn company profile I think a company profile is actually really interesting to see how often they're updating it um what kind of things they're talking about if they're sharing other companies information so yeah I think after the interview social media is always a good one you know, and I don't know if you have this the way we do in the United States, but if you're a publicly traded company, you have to have certain disclosures yeah. all the time. So I'm always looking at, for example, the investor relations page mm-hmm. uh, or something equivalent to that for any company that I would be interviewing with. Mm-hmm. That would be something that I would Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. 
if if um, that, yeah if the company is publicly traded yeah right and so that just is another one that is doesn't make you look like a stalker but like but you said, gives, it gives you something some, to do yeah and the investor information would give you sort of inside information yeah I well typically you know inside information so well, much as it has to be published <laughs> that's right it well it could be something also you use if you go quickly back to that to use it in your follow-up emails or notes you mm-hmm. know I, I we talked about this in the interview and i saw you guys disclose this that look looking forward to hearing you know the great things that come about for this project because they've disclosed it now you read about it you've gotten a little more context i think really those kind of things just make you stand out and also are exactly what you're doing, which is you're evaluating the company. And mm-hmm. so making sure that you, that's where you want to be and that they have good prospects as a company going forward. But waiting game is hard. How, yes. how do you follow up if you're like freaking out about it, which we all are, right? If it's been you know, a week, yeah, it's do you been follow a week. up? I'm, I'm, what do you do? I'm following up. I'm calling someone after a week. I'm, t- I'm calling somebody. I'm calling a recruiter or I'm calling them. And I'm, I would say, and I, I've been in this situation where you want to hear back from them. You want to know what they're doing, even if it's uh, we're still interviewing people. And I remember somebody that I knew had this amazing interview, this job opportunity with an amazing, well-known magazine and online brand. And the interview process just just got, it was such a lengthy process. And she kept on being invited back and then they'd go quiet and then she was invited back again and they'd go quiet. And it was, it was incredibly frustrating, even just hearing it. And then eventually they pulled the role. The role was not, they were no longer recruiting. Uh, so after all of that, you know, the agonizing wait and she was getting other job offers and then you're sort of like, oh, what do I do? I really want to hear from that one. Have you, have you been in that situation before or you know anybody in that situation where they're waiting for that one job and get, getting interviews and second interviews? or even offers elsewhere <laughs> I the last time I was the last time I was moving that jobs that kind of happened to me I was going for one job totally out of my comfort zone but mm-hmm. I thought it would be a neat position it was actually a sales position and then the other job that I was having was in my traditional role of being an in-house lawyer I I was so conflicted because ex- I was getting exactly that I was still getting interviews by one but then finally got an offer from the other and but each were kind of moving back and forth. It was just, uh, it was really interesting. Let me just say that because that is when you really know you're interviewing the other company too. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and and those things are telltale signs mm-hmm. of, of sometimes of the way a company runs. Exactly. So if you are yeah. not good with a bureaucracy, that may be a high sign that you need to run from that company because that is not for you. Those kind of slow things like that. You know, I work for a publicly traded company, but it is, it's pretty lean Mm -hmm. in the way it's staffed. And Mm -hmm. that means also that we, we work a lot of jobs. So a lot of people, so they're pretty quick to make a decision and move forward because it doesn't have to go through a whole lot of layers of bureaucracy, but that really does tell you a lot. I think Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're in that situation of just waiting and not knowing, not knowing what to do next and, and yep. waiting is just like the worst. Who of us is patient? None of us. Nobody. Nobody. Answer. I mean. That game of waiting it out is is a hard one, but it also just tells you a lot about the company. And so to me, I take it as information gathering yes. also. Yeah. The it time really period. is. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to talk about kind of interview number two mm-hmm. and some of the follow-ups that may happen. But what if 
you know, it's two days after the interview and you um, get the no that you're not an, a candidate that they want to go forward with. The what is that process oh, like? I mean, and I'm sure it probably never happened to you, actually, because you're amazing. So no, <laughs> no, it's hap- actually I have had interviews that I haven't got the job. And I think I mean, on the odd like I think it maybe happened once or twice, but it went through a recruiter again which sort of softens the blow because it's coming second hand and that recruiter still wants you to get a job so they're they're giving all of the feedback from a really positive place but actually the occasions when I've not got the job and said okay then fine can I have some feedback that's that's my first question can I have some feedback it's always happened that the job has then been offered to me afterwards which is really odd I don't know why it's almost like they go uh, or maybe the person they offered it to didn't want it and maybe I was like mm-hmm. the second choice and then they go oh do you want it and by that time I found something else and then my answer is no but it, because it doesn't it does move really quickly so I think the first thing if I'm getting a no is I'm obviously saying that I'm disappointed because you you naturally are disappointed you wanted that role because you interviewed for it Unless you, you know, during that time when you were doing your due diligence and your digging and information gathering, you decided, actually, I'm not entirely sure. And when you got the no, you were, th- you were quite relieved. Um, but I think it's the, the question to ask is, like, can I get some feedback? And just so that you can sort of consolidate that and make changes for the next round. I know, no, I, I totally agree. I, mm-hmm. I try to always look at it not as rejection of me, mm-hmm. which is maybe just my coping mechanism, but just that that there is something else better for me out there. I hundred like, you know, because yeah. you know, you don't want to be in a marriage that one party doesn't want to be a part of. No. Much like you don't want to be, you know, in a working relationship <laughs> yep. another party doesn't want to be a part yep. of. So it's, to me, it's I view it like a relationship like that, and mm-hmm. you know, anything needs to be a two way two way street. Liam one of those people that's like grass is always greener or, or just there there's whatever's in the next door that I open is going to be better than this. So oh, I, I'm kind of the pers- that's exactly, person yeah. that looks, looks at things that way. And it, really that probably just helps me cope. Conversely, when you get the call that you're not the one wanted, what if you do your follow-up research and what if you don't, you mentioned this, if you are not interested anymore in the job, what do you think your obligation is to let the recruiter know that or the company know that? Or do you just wait it out? Um, I have actually gone back to a recruiter and said, there are these things that I'm looking for. And usually, if you've got a good recruiter and you've discussed what you're looking for, they should not have put you for... I mean, if the role's totally not what you're after and you went to the interview anyway and you then go, actually, I don't want this role. Like, why am I even here? Then that's totally different. But if the role looked like something that you were after and then the but the company doesn't seem like a good fit then I think you're well within your rights to say to the recruiter actually there are a few things with this company that are not really aligned with me and just say it like for x y and z reason so can you take me out of the recruitment process for these guys and just consider me for the other things usually you're going to get some pushback from your recruiter because they probably think that you're a strong candidate and recruiters work on commission so they're going to try and convince you to stay in that role they're going to say that they can negotiate x y and z for you we can talk to them about that and really try and encourage you to stay there but if your intuition is telling you no if you've done enough you know thinking about it and it's not going to work 
you know, hold firm to that. But I do think that you should save yourself some time, save the recruiter some time, save the company some time and just say, actually, this in hindsight, this um, I'm looking for something a bit different. And so I'm not going to continue with the recruitment process. Would you say or would you just go through? No, I totally agree. And I think this goes back to one of our first talks on finding your dream job Mm -hmm. is really doing your homework and knowing what you want to do, because it will not be your dream job if it doesn't tick most, at least most of the boxes, as Mm -hmm. we said, nothing is perfect, but it really should be ticking all of your boxes that you have checked up as important. And so if a job isn't going to do that and you figure that out after the interview, I think you, you just owe it to yourself, not even really the company. You don't have an obligation, particularly the company, but Mm -hmm. you really owe it to yourself to say, no, I'm moving on and don't waste any more time or energy waiting on that because we want I want people to find their dream job. And that is only going to happen if they're particular as much as a hundred percent be particular. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. And we hope you stay tuned for our next episode in the dream job series, how to follow up with a second interview. It's time for the fast five, no planning, five questions, real answers. Now, Shall we fast five? Are you Let's ready? Fast five. Did I you ready? stay on topic this time? Did you or have you did, gone No, I didn't stay on topic. Okay, because no, 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 I, I always didn't. feel like the random person, like just crazy <laughs> Kieran just coming out with these random questions and you've stayed on topic. No, I think I'm totally off topic and totally off topic. And I, I am ready whenever you're ready. <laughs> go for it. So question number one for me, what is the thing that, embarrasses you the most or like your most embarrassing moment that you're willing to share with hundreds of thousands of people oh here's my most embarrassing moment that I can remember that I tell everybody so my friends and I were at a party and we were under 18 so our parents were picking us up and each week a different set of parents would agree to pick us up when it was my mother's turn instead of, you know, just sitting in the car waiting for us. My mother decided to walk into the party and everybody turned around and was like, Kieran, there's your mum. And I laughed as if to say, <laughs> you guys are so funny. <laughs> and I turned around and she was there like what bright red coat waving at me. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? I was like... Oh, and I just turned around and she went, I'll go and wait in the car. And I felt like, and in my head, I I said to myself, you should have been in the car. The whole time. The whole time. But do you know what was really funny is that my mum has the same story about her mother. So it's almost inevitable that I'm going to do this to Poppy. And I don't I care. Hear about it. <laughs> I don't care. And I'll make sure I'm wearing a bright red coat as well. So That's that is my right. earliest embarrassing moment. When you are, uh, you know, stressed out or upset, what is the like best way to comfort you? Like, what's the thing you like to do the most that like calms you down or de-stresses you? What's that go-to thing? Has got to, it's, it's laughing. So if, you can make me laugh then I'm in if it's like an instant thing like let's do so like it would be going out for dinner with somebody that makes me laugh done oh nice done no and I feel like that's easy in London because you guys have all comedy shows on all the time and when I was over there I was (laughs) cracking up all the time great we don't have comedy shows like that like no you guys 
No, not Wait. not the way you guys have them like constantly on regular TV. There, you have the best, and I love a British That's sense true. of humor. I think it cracks me up. Oh, so, good, good for you. Good. No, laughing is is the best medicine for sure. It is. Question number three: Like, like what's your most prized possession? I am probably going to say something ridiculous, like my phone. That's like, yeah, oh, gosh, I, yeah. I couldn't cope like I actually couldn't cope and there are times when like so I have a personal phone and a work phone and there are times when I misplace one of them and then all I do is do find my phone and play the noise and then find the other one but yeah it's my phone hands oh, I get down it. totally if this kind of goes along those lines a little bit of like your most prized possession but if money wasn't an object mm-hmm. what would you, what would you buy Oh my gosh! One thing. Well, you just name name the thing that kind of comes to mind. It could I'd, be anything. I'd probably just buy like chalet open... in France. I don't... <laughs> no, I'd probably just buy a round the world ticket. Um, to go around the world. How does one commission a private jet? I don't know, but I'd buy. Oh yeah, <laughs> don't do try... that. You want you're, you're saying experiences though. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, an, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I'm one for the experiences, not necessarily the stuff. So yeah, it would yeah. be it would be going, and I would go. I think the first stop would probably be Thailand to see my friend Kim there, and then I'd go to Australia and see Keely, and then I'd probably do, whoever whoever I'm picking up along the way. It would be that. Oh, I love that i love that that's a great answer um i think i think this is question five and if not we'll pretend like it is mm-hmm. which celebrity i know you don't know celebrity names but oh, i have terrible. i have my person but which celebrity would you want to be your bff your best friend and why my best friend so that's two questions Oh my god! Like we always say in my in, in Texas, we say we're going to invite them to the barbecue. And I don't know if that translates, but that means we like you and we want to hang out. with Right, you. So invite them to the barbecue. We want to invite you to the barbecue. So who's the celebrity you want to invite to the British barbecue, whatever that is? Cardi B. <laughs> I love it. She is so funny. She is so funny. Like honestly, I, some of the stuff she says, she does on on social media. I'm not. I don't. I haven't ever seen a Cardi B music video. I just know re- her really from social media, and she is so funny. Um, and it would be between. It would probably be Cardi B or maybe Prince Harry. Closely followed by Prince Harry. Yeah. Okay, is he funny also? Like, I don't know anything about celeb, I feel like, like I feel is like Prince Harry is funny. I don't know. I okay. don't know. I don't know him personally. <laughs> we, have, we have a... We, we so, have Harry, a, if you're listening, we'd love to hear if, you on the show. We'd you know? love to have you on the show. I just feel like he's funny as well. So whoever is funny is is going to be my best, my, my bestie, my celebrity bestie. Are there any... Who, who would you have? Oh, mine is definitely this. We've thought... I've thought about this. Yeah. Drew, Drew do you know her yeah yeah. yeah 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 definitely so it's the same reason like she just she's to me just seems like a normal person but she's hilarious yeah. and just thoughtful and just she's all silly the funny that, isn't she yeah she yeah, yeah, yeah. is and yeah you know not afraid to make fun of herself and just just that's the kind of person we all want to i think or at least i want to hang around with all the time and that's probably most of my friend profile and so i think it's her her and cameron diaz i kind of just want to go dance with them one night that's yeah. And eat barbecue. So oh, eat barbecue. <laughs> if they That's eat barbecue. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> if they eat barbecue. All right. I will let that count as your number one if you want. <laughs> My fast five. Yeah. Can we 
carrying on on the celeb thing, who would play you in a movie of your life? Oh, I, well, okay. There's, if, if it's somebody who looks like me, the person I, I get, I look like a lot or people have said this to me. There's two is Laura Preppen and she may not translate over there. She's in orange is the new black and she's in that 70s show. She was the redhead in that. 70s oh, show. I know the, the redhead. Yeah. 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 In the yeah show. And I, I just don't and know I anybody's name at the time. Yeah. I was redheaded when she was redheaded and then I was blonde when she was blonde. Are you a I natural redhead? That. No, I'm not a natural no. anything. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody a natural anything these days? I've been dyeing my hair since I was 16 on the whim of my mother. Like right. she was the one that made me do it. Well, not made me do it. She was afraid to do it. And I was like, ah, I'll do it. And so I started dyeing my hair when I was 16. So I haven't been my natural hair color, whatever the heck that is. It looks like a drowned rat is the natural color is what my, I think. No, so I, I love that. So you've had, you've had yeah, so lots she, of different color hair. Yeah, I have. Oh, I'll show you pictures sometime. I've been, I've been lots. I've been kind of brown to almost black. I've been red. I've been blonde. I've been like a strawberry blonde. So, yeah, I guess I'm stuck on blonde now. My husband it likes suits blonde. You. So, it suits you. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So then, so so Laura Preppen kind of looks like me, but the person who I think might be closer to my personality is. Cameron Diaz I think she's a little quirky and weird I think I'm a little quirky and weird and so she's and I mean that in the best way Cameron just so you know (laughs) I want you at my barbecue I love that are you ticklish and yes where are you most ticklish feet feet like when I get my feet done like when I go to get a pedicure pedicure ah I can hardly handle it you're fidgeting around you're you're that person (laughs) all the time all the time whenever that happens very ticklish there and my husband is too and we both just are bizarre that way but anyway I don't know whether or not this question says more about me than it does you (laughs) (laughs) it really does what's the last thing you accidentally stole okay I didn't well I kind of stole it I guess. I don't know. So, so my husband and I were in Las Vegas and we were in a store and it was like one of those, okay, I'm going to say a word and I'm going to ask if it translates. Tchotchke, does that translate? Uh, does that mean? No. <laughs> Is that English? <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, we have one that doesn't translate. Okay. A tchotchke is like a store where you would go and buy souvenirs like crappy souvenirs really old bad like, souvenirs. like a souvenir yeah. shop okay also do you, you see them you see it. them you see them around london don't you like just selling like oh, random yeah. stuff with the union jack on yeah that's a, right okay so chuch, that's where we were in Tchotchke, and we were in. I'll I'll try to spell that and send it to you. And yeah, please. <laughs> but um, so we were there in Las Vegas on the Strip, and uh, we may have had some drinks. I don't really remember, but that's typically what happens in Las Vegas. Yeah. But anyway, we were trying on like all the ridiculous things, and I left with a pair of sunglasses on my face that I didn't realize were on my face, and walked down the street. So that is what I lost. Um, stole. Stole. And I think they were five ninety nine or something. Awful. Free like that. And, or free. And, and I they were free. That's right. Five finger discount. Yeah. I I actually still have those glasses and I might get them for you to look at before. Oh no, we're no, done no. You definitely definitely a- stolen merchandise. Yeah. 
Love that. My last question is, who or what makes you lose track of time? Well, <laughs> what makes me lose track of time? Social media, because you can do it forever. Oh my gosh, you can, can't you? Just and go down a rabbit hole. In a good way, I will say my best friends and my husband make me lose track of time in the sense that like, I could just talk to them for hours and I don't really know what time it is. So those are the who's that do that. And and then the what is like the succubus of social media Honestly. is the thing that you yeah. can just do it forever. And ever and ever. And speaking of that, people should follow us, right? On yes, all of our social media. They should. Not Wonder Woman Podcast. Not Wonder Woman underscore on Twitter. Yeah. So we want to make sure we connect with everybody and join us in the in the uh, never ending hole of social media because we'll respond and we'd love to see you on there. We would. episode is generously sponsored by Blonde Biscotti Coffee and Biscotti Bar in the heart of Houston, Texas. They are proud to serve third wave coffee and soft baked biscotti, blondebiscotti.com. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on iTunes so you never miss a show. And we want to hear from you. So please feel free to send us your questions and comments to notwonderwomanpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us at our website, notwonderwoman.com.